God has the power to pull off these promises. I, I think he's wondering, will we place our feet to it? People began to get saved spontaneously uh, without even the message being on that subject. Uh, uh, and people were responding at every level in the Christian high school as well as in the college. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast. So thrilled that you joined us today. And I'm Bill Eliff, and this is Kyle Reno, your co-host on this journey we're on. And uh, we're so thrilled to get to talk each week uh, to be able to be further equipped in how to pray for, steward, and help accelerate the movement of God in revival and spiritual awakening. Yeah. And today, starting a journey through the book of Joshua Mm -hmm. and seeing that, you know, God is always looking for a willing generation, Mm -hmm. a generation that will will make some bold moves for the sake of future generations. And I, I think we realize that that didn't happen before at the end of Moses's journey there in leadership, and that there was a generation that just wandered. Yeah, and and you know Joshua, who was eighty years old, by the way, when he led them into uh, the land of Canaan, uh, but he's really uh, doing the kinds of things that prepare that next generation right. to be a people after God's own heart. So we're going to look at that. And, and it's particularly pertinent these next six weeks to yeah, revival right? because most revivals yeah. have begun with the next generation. That's right. And their, their hearts are moldable, they're, they're ready, they're, they're searching. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the applications of Joshua to the next generation and the coming revival and awakening right. are, are pretty profound. Right. Yeah, I would just say to our listeners uh, today as, as we— Think through these things, and you look at the book of Joshua. I'd encourage you to go back and read it even, and look at it in light of this thought uh, of a passion for the next generation. Because I think that we have never been in a moment where the enemy's passion for the next generation has been more evident. And deceptions and tactics and schemes and ways in which the enemy's trying to capture the hearts and minds of a generation and move them toward life and lifestyles that will never work and are contrary to the kingdom of God. And we can either get mad about that or be dis- disgruntled about it or complain, or we can do something. Like we can get in the fight. And I think that's what you see in Joshua 1. So I'm going to give you a lot of, the, of, of this chapter today and just let the word wash over you and build some faith in you. It says in Joshua 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, don't misunderstand this. The, the passing of each one of of the saints is precious to the Lord, but it, but it never stops with one person either. So the Lord looks to Joshua and says, hey, Moses is gone. You're up. It's your time. It's your turn. And I just want to say something specifically to the older generation. If you're still alive, I got good news for you. You have a part in what's next. If you're still breathing, God's still got work for you to do. 
that if you're still around, God's longing for each one of us to find our part in the work of God right now. So don't don't waste this season of your life for the sake of future generations. Here's Joshua, as Bill said earlier, 80 years old. He's going to give the best of his life, honestly, like the best effort in his life to pave the way for future generations. And then the Lord gives him a promise. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised Moses. If you skip down a verse, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Let me tell you what the Lord was putting into Joshua. Some promises to believe. Some promises to believe for his leadership for the people of God that have wandered for way too long. And I, I want to talk to us for a second here. Pastor specifically, I'm with you in this. Uh, the people of God, any church leaders out there. I think that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has wandered for way too long. I, I think, honestly, since the last real move of God in our country, the Jesus movement, I, I think that you could define in many ways the way that the church has operated. Is just, we've just sort of wandered around. We've tried some stuff. We've lost uh, the ear of generations. And I think what God is asking us right now, I really believe this in my spirit, will we be willing to move into promises again? Like promises like I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Promises like for the sake of the next generation, that one generation will declare to to another, the works, the mighty works of God. I got a promise we're praying for our church, Psalm 144. May our sons and their youth be like plants full grown. May our daughters be like corner pillars cut for the structure of the palace. here's, Here's the truth. God has the power to pull off these promises. He does. I, I think he's wondering, will we place our feet to it? Will we live and act out on faith like God can actually do what he promised he wants to do? Listen, you can't name a zip code that Jesus doesn't desire to do work. I think he's wondering, will we follow him into it? And Joshua, and then we're going to have a decision. You've wandered for 40 years. Will you be willing now? And listen, I think that the church has wandered for 40 years. Will we be willing now, though, to say, no, we're going to move toward what God wants to do in the life of a generation? And then he builds him up. God's such a great encourager. And I think a lot of times we, we think of the Lord, and specifically those that may have had a difficult uh, father relationship, as almost like a mean football coach. Uh, but if you look at the Lord through the lens of the Scripture, He seems to be one that leans in and gives you the right word you need at the moment to actually believe what he wants to do. So he leans in Joshua and he says, hey, so Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may have good success wherever you go. He leans in and says, now listen, Joshua, there's a war ahead of you. I I, I love this picture. When when they cross the Red Sea, they're they're running from enemies, right? When when they're soon to cross the Jordan, they're running to them. He's not saying it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows over there. There's going to be a war. There's going to be a real fight. So be strong and courageous. And what's the battle plan? It's the word of God. 
It's the word of God. He said, don't forget the law. Don't forget the truths of the scripture because that's what's going to get you through what you're about to go through. And I, I think for us in the day and age in which we're living more so than ever before, we better grab hold of the Bible leadership in this moment. We better grab hold of the Word of God because the Bible will be our guide in the battle for the next generation. The Bible will be our guide. And we need to get the Word of God into the lives of the next generation. We need to get it into our sons and daughters strategically. And we, as we're going after them, we're going to help put these truths into them, into them so that they know what God says about everything. But you got to get this spirit, this same spirit that they had. And the Lord was setting them up because this journey is about to begin. He's saying, listen, Moses is done. Now's your time to lead. Here's the promise. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be near you. It's your turn. You got you to believe what God says about you, that it's your turn to lead now. You need to stay close to the word of God. And then he says this, and Joshua and it says Joshua responds and he commands the Officers, let me tell you an interesting thing if you study the book of Joshua. God says something to Joshua, and Joshua immediately turns and says something to the people. He, he was one of the best leaders we see in the Bible, that he took it straight from the kitchen to the people. Straight from the Lord, what the Lord says, and he doesn't mess with it. <laughs> he says exactly to them what God has just said to him. And this is what he says in verse 10, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you're going to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. That's faith. He looks, turns straight to the people and says, I know we've been doing this for 40 years. We're done doing this. We're going across that river. And we're going into land God has promised. Get ready. Get ready to move. And, and he said it with, like, this is already done because of what God has already said. And I, I just, I've had this in my spirit for a while. It's time for us, the church, to take possession of the next generation. I mean, in faith, we need to look at the next generation. Because let me tell you what the enemy's saying. The enemy's saying, that generation is mine. That generation, he, he is in every way, the prince of the power of the air is promoting his agenda and his deceptions and schemes, and he's strategically going after the next generation, and he's claiming them. Yet we, in Christ, have the authority of the kingdom. And I, I'm just, I want to encourage pastors and leaders to look out at schools, look out at your communities, and say, no, you know what? This generation is going to be a Jesus generation. And we're going, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to pray like we've never prayed before. We're going, we're going to have to go after like, and, and have practices that help us get into the lives of this generation. And we're going to have to find ways to get the Word of God into them year after year after year. But we're doing that knowing in Jesus' name that they're ours. That the Lord's going to claim them for Himself, and He's going to let the church be a part of gathering them into. So I, I just... For me personally, in my life and leadership, I don't want to respond the next 20 years of my ministry life to what's going on out there. Because if you're responding, you're losing. But instead, in faith, I, I, I want to go after. 
and say, you know what? The Lord won't say there, there's no question. Listen, as much passion as the enemy has for the next generation, it's nowhere close to the passion that Jesus has because he paid the ultimate price. So I'm entering in the moment we start going after the next generation, you're on, you're on ground that you never have to wonder if God's in on this. He's in on this. So I just, I want to believe again, Bill. You know, like I, I think it's time for the church to say, man, let's, let's, let's believe for this generation. Absolutely. And you know, uh, I just thinking as you were walking through that, Joshua uh, was, that, that generation's what he, all he had. I right. mean, the old, older generation had died off. Here's this one one man right. and his cohort Caleb. Yeah, right. And they're walking in and they're but they're putting the next generation mm-hmm. in a position right. to have the favor of God right. and this revived way of operating. Right. And operating by faith. And he just led them. Yeah. And he consecrated them. He got them ready. Right. He took them over. When right. they when they sinned, we'll see in Joshua. <laughs> He, he brought God into the equation yeah. right there. So everything he was doing was the things we need to be doing right. to posture this next generation for a great movement of God. That's right. What an incredible thing. You know, God has moved this way. That's right. And leaders have led this way in the mm-hmm. past. One of those was in the Jesus movement in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the men who cooperated with God saw great movements among the next generation in their churches, in their colleges. Those who didn't were men who, we could say, in some measure, uh, quenched the Spirit and His movement. And we're going to hear from one great man and great leader of the next generation uh, about what happened among students in a college Mm -hmm. in the Jesus movement. So watch this testimony and uh, be blessed by it. Well, welcome once again, the One Cry Podcast family. Uh, I love this segment. You know I do when we talk about stories, and especially when we talk and hear direct firsthand reports about movements of God, uh, not just currently, but also in the past, because uh, I believe when God has moved historically, we read about it, we digest it, that puts fresh thirst and hope in all of our hearts. So today, I am very, very excited that we are able to talk about something God did uh, during the Jesus movement era in 1973 at uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church, Liberty University, Liberty College back then. And Dr. Ed Heinsohn, you were there. Is that right? 1973. And you wrote a book about it. It's hard to believe that that's been almost 48 years ago. Wow. Uh, that that uh, young team in their third year on the road uh, had an opportunity to come to uh, such a large church as Thomas Road, and Liberty was still in its early formative stages, but already had a thousand students, uh, and you could see the potential of growth that was going to come in the future. But God wanted to do a deeper work in the lives of uh, faculty, the staff, the leadership, and the students. Uh, and the move of God that week was really uh, beyond human explanation. Hmm. So, Dr. Ed, why don't, why don't I call you Dr. Ed? That's how we know each other. Uh, tell us just very quickly, what are you currently doing? And then you wrote a book about this called Glory in the Church. I think you have a copy there. You might flash before us or something. But then jump back and begin to unwrap for us what you saw God do. 
Well, I'm currently the Dean Emeritus of the School of Divinity at Liberty, Distinguished Professor of Religion. So I'm still actively teaching at Liberty today and advising uh, the leadership in the School of Divinity, et cetera. Uh, but uh, back then, uh, what happened was so unusual uh, that uh, we wrote it up later in a book uh, entitled uh, Glory in the Church. Uh, and the last chapter uh, is the story of the Lynchburg Revival. Uh, started like a typical series of meetings that Life Action was doing in those days. Uh, uh, Dell preached his opening series of sermons where he often would go to uh, Matthew 7, um, uh, the passage, uh, you know, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do many wonderful things in your name? And I said, depart from me, I never knew you. Challenging people about, are you really saved? And do you really know the Lord, et cetera? Uh, and, and at first the response was just pretty typical. Uh, and then about the middle of the week, uh, when he preached on uh, having a clear conscience, with one another. You can imagine a group of students um, uh, living with each other. Uh, it was very convicting. And then uh, God really began to move as they went to one another to ask forgiveness for various things, to clear their conscience with one another. Uh, and then uh, the, the floodgate of revival just seemed to burst open by about Thursday of that week. And people began to get saved spontaneously. Uh, mm -hmm. without even the message being on that subject. Uh, uh, and people were responding at every level in the Christian high school, as well as in the college uh, and in the church. Uh, and uh, by uh, that point, then Dell opened it up for testimonies. Uh, and as people would share what God was doing in their life, uh, that would spark what he was doing in somebody else's life. So they'd share their testimony. Mm -hmm. And the cumulative effect of that was powerful, convicting, and overwhelming. And uh, that was the first time, as I recall, uh, that we had a meeting that did not close then on Friday at the end of the week. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Falwell Sr. made the decision, we'll go on another week uh, mm -hmm. until the Lord is done uh, with his work in people's lives. And it was an exciting uh, time to be caught up in that moment. So I, I've heard uh, uh, secondhand reports. I joined Life Action two years after that. And uh, one of the things, and, and you may remember this, because I think you were actually officially a part of the Life Action staff at that point, or were you already at? No, I was still with Life Action. I was the associate director, uh, Dell's first employee, uh, if you will. Right. Sure. Uh, I think I was a ripe old age of about 27, and he was about 24, we were young, uh, brash, had a lot of faith, uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, willing to speak into people's lives what we felt oh. they needed to hear. So uh, the, I understand that the team was actually kind of off campus right. praying when God broke loose on campus. And I just find that remarkable that we weren't even there, which means we can't take the credit for it, right? For it, exactly. Now, oh. everybody was away praying because in Dell's mind, it hadn't really gone the way he'd hoped at that point. Uh, he was still hoping for the kind of breakthrough that actually came, uh, and it came from a prayer meeting uh, mm -hmm. and from the power of God. I often think of uh, Zechariah 4, 6, uh, mm -hmm. not by might, not by power, but 
by my spirit, says the Lord. And the Holy Spirit began to move in the lives of students. They began to respond, go to their teachers to say, I really think I need to really come to real faith in Jesus as my savior and surrender to him, etc." Uh, and then that spontaneously grew and grew and grew. And by that night, when the service was held, uh, there was already this powerful move of God going on. So the report I read uh, recorded that um, some of the classrooms, professors were under the conviction of God, couldn't even teach their classes. Uh, I think some maybe classes were dismissed and they Dr. Falwell kind of called off school if necessary for God to keep working, and and uh, you witnessed all that. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, later coming here to teach as a professor, uh, that's a big challenge for academic institutions. Uh, they feel like we have a job that we're responsible to get done, uh, but then you have to be prepared that if God really moves, and it's a move of God, that should take precedence over uh, what you're trying to teach academically, and Liberty was such a new young school at that point, uh, they were willing to do that. Uh, and uh, I think that gave uh, impetus then uh, to the continued work of God uh, during that period of time. And it varied, I'm sure, from class to class or teacher to teacher, but the general move swept the campus. Uh, and uh, for 48 years, that was the shining moment of campus revival. There were other times God moved, but not to the level that he did back then in 1973. Wow. And I, I want to I stop right there because I'm off, often fascinated that today's, our calendars, we mark our calendar by the visitation of God here on earth. And I find in places like Liberty there, that what you just said can be so true that when God touches down, when he comes and visits with his manifest presence, we actually say before 73, after 73, before revival, after revival. And that's kind of what you just said there, because that's how dramatic the shift can really be. So I've heard stories of 300 to 400 to 500 students came to Christ in really a brief period of time, three, four days uh, during that move of God. Probably and more like 600 was back it really then that were saved in about three or four days time. Uh, and then a few more still in the days that followed uh, every day, somebody was coming to Christ. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, our time is limited here, but Ed, I would love for you to pray uh, right now for similar moves of God on campuses across this nation. There's a movement in the Ivy League school through Christian Union where we're very connected to and, and down in uh, the most diverse Christian university is uh, Houston Baptist University where God's at work. And um, you, you have that's where you had your tentacles all these years. And I would love for you just to maybe pray and ask God to do it again. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we recognize that any work of genuine salvation and transformation must come from you. And so we pray that you would be pleased uh, to intervene on these campuses uh, across America uh, where there's so many young people uh, with a desire uh, to serve you, to make a difference in the world in which they live. Uh, some of them trying to 
grow spiritually, some of them trying to understand uh, how to have a relationship with you. So we pray that many would come to real genuine saving faith, uh, to a real surrender to your will and purpose in their lives. But we pray for the schools uh, that the administrators would be sensitive also uh, to the work of the Holy Spirit uh, and to allow you uh, to move in the hearts of students uh, and to allow them to give expression to that uh, so that people would sense God is here, God is moving in a powerful way. And uh, while things seem dark in our own day and age, seemed dark back in the 70s as well. And yet you were pleased to move then and we pray that you would do it again to your glory and to your honor where we ask in Jesus name with his power and his authority. Amen. Amen. And Ed Heinzen, when I first met you, you spoke on Ephesians 3.20. I'll never forget it. And I know it's been a favorite verse of yours, and it's been a favorite verse of mine for hopes that there would be glory in the church. Uh, so much so that's on my nameplate of my office, Ephesians 3.20 under my name. So thank you for the impact you've had on my life. And thank you. Thank Brian. you. Thank you, One Cry family, man. Thank you for tuning in and listening in and, and uh, checking in with us again. And there's so much more in these coming weeks on the One Cry podcast because God is doing so much more right now across the nation. And we can't wait for future weeks for this podcast. God bless everyone. Well, what a thrilling thing, Kyle, to hear this testimony from Ed. And uh, because, you know, the stories of revivals, why we do these testimonies yeah. is the stories of revival build our faith. Mm -hmm. And and I'm afraid if we don't understand what God can do and has done in the past, right. our prayers are weak and our faith is really small. Mm -hmm. So we want to pray for this right That's now. Right. And, uh, and if you can't uh, have a desire to pray after hearing that, uh, <laughs> something's wrong. Yeah, right. So why don't you join with us? Uh, Kyle, why don't you begin? Yeah. Let's, let's pray for this next generation. Yeah and how we help them. Yeah. Lord, whatever we need to hear, we ask you to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, Lord, whatever adjustments in our life and leadership, God, how we pursue and lead a generation uh, into the promises of God, mm -hmm. into what you desire for them personally, for their family, for future generations. God, I, I just ask, Lord, with, with this next generation, God, I pray specifically for college-age students right now, for mm -hmm. students and college-age students, Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, that the fire of God would fall. That's right. That you would con you would literally come and burn away all these things that are keeping them from seeing you. Every way, Jesus, that the enemy has blinded the eyes of this generation from really seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would lift those things now. That you would you would tear those things from their eyelids, Lord, mm -hmm. so they could see you in all your glory, God. And I, I pray a generation that knows Jesus in a way that past previous generations haven't, Lord, <laughs> that that they would be the next Jesus generation, Jesus mm -hmm. move. They would experience something, Lord God, that they would pass on for years and years. So get the church ready for that. Right. Get us ready, each leader, God, get us ready to position them, Lord, and to believe for them. And then to follow them, God, to follow a generation that really, that really gets what you're doing right now, Lord. So please do it again. Do it now. And I pray you do it in greater scope, uh, mm -hmm. Lord, than we've ever seen that spreads to all generations. 
uh, Lord, that shapes the future of our faith in this nation, Lord God. So we ask for a real outpouring of your power. And Father, I pray as leaders and Lord, everybody on this podcast that's listening today, uh, lead somebody. Mm-hmm. And I just pray for those of us who uh, might have some understanding of revival and awakening. Yeah. Lord, we would would diligently, fervently pass that on to the next generation, yes. help equip them uh, to steward well what God is doing, how to cooperate with your movement. Lord, we would consecrate the people yes. and get them ready to yes. go into a new uh, land, Lord, of your glory and your presence. And we would do that well, Lord. And I pray, Father, that, that would begin with us as leaders by us doing that, by us consecrating ourselves, by us, uh, Lord, doing everything that's necessary to join the activity of yeah. God. And, uh, and, and so I, I just pray, Lord, that you would move in the next generation, and we would get to be a part of that right. for your glory in right. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what a great, uh, a great word, Kyle, and uh, and thank you, Ed. And and uh, we look forward next week. We're going to hear a little more about Ed from mm-hmm. Ed about what's happening right now. Man, come on, and uh, and look further in this in Joshua mm-hmm. about how we can join God in His movement for the next generation. We'll see you then. <laughs>